Hi, my name is Nina Turnipsey, co-host of Spotlighting the Indie Author and manager of Thunder Horse Publishing. Today's podcast, episode four, is sure to be filled with excitement and packed full of attitude, along with being a ton of fun. Why, this is my first interview ever, and my guest, the man himself, Joseph Clay, indie author and my boss. I'm on a quest to find out what makes Joseph tick. My questions won't be easy ones. I plan to find out why Joseph hasn't released any new material in almost four years. And why does he keep rewriting Demons of the Jungle? I'll find out what the title of Joseph's next release is and what the tale is about, along with when it is scheduled for release. How many books does Joseph have in his WIP folder? I have structured my questions so the answers will include writing tips for myself and other indie authors. Secretly, I hope to pick up my first scoop as an interviewer. Will Joseph try to sidestep any of my questions? Will our egos clash? Will I get my scoop? The answers to those questions and more are coming up after Kelly gives us some 411 on today's guest. Hi, I'm Kelly, announcer for Spotlighting the Indie Author. Joseph Clay is an all-genre author. All of his books are considered to be thrillers. Most have a supernatural twist and involve a murder or other crime that needs to be solved. He believes in keeping his characters real. They find love, suffer heartbreak, and enjoy a romantic evening, all while trying to stay alive. Joseph has written two novels to date. Demons of the Jungle, and Witch's Dilemma. He has several more tales in the works, including a short story collection, 669 Brimstone Circle. A supernatural thriller is scheduled for release around Halloween of this year. Joseph's hobbies include hiking, photography, coin collecting, horseback and motorcycle riding, crossword puzzles, and shooting. For relaxation, Joseph enjoys going to a theater to catch a play or ballet. However, in Joseph's opinion, nothing can beat drinking a nice, smooth glass of bourbon straight up while smoking a good cigar. He would prefer to do this from a beach chair, watching the waves roll across the white sands. During spring through early fall, you can find Joseph on a golf course at least once a week. In the winter, he is at a local bowling alley. To find out more about Joseph, Visit his website, the link is below in the show notes, and listen to the interview coming right up. Nina, he's all yours, and good luck. As you know, he can be a handful. Thanks, Kelly, and you're absolutely right. But my mystery co-host and I have a few tricks up our sleeves to counter that attitude of his and to find out what makes him tick. With that said, I'm excited to introduce Joseph Clay, retired mechanical engineer and an entrepreneur and published author. Welcome to Spotlighting the Indie Author, Joseph. Thank you for having me, I think. I still can't believe I agreed to be your guinea pig for your first interview ever. I hope at least you study the material on how to handle an interview and keep it on track. Who is this mystery co-host? And remember, 
For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. You'll find out when the time is right, and yes, I did my homework. You did agree to what I consider on-the-job training. I think the way you need to look at this is as your reintroduction to the readers as an author. Your writing is excellent, but at this period in time, you are more known for the work you do with independent authors. If you are uncomfortable with that, we can stop here and my mystery co-host and I can review a book. We have our notes and can proceed without you. You make the call. Shall we continue? A backup plan. You did study. Let me start over. Thank you, Nina, for the compliment on my writing, and please accept my apologies. You're right. It has been a while since I've released anything new. Thank you for this opportunity to reintroduce myself as an author, and please call me Joe. What about JoJo? That's more natural to me. Sure, that will be fine. Thank you. I would like to start with a few questions about you. Man, I know you celebrated your 60th birthday in April of this year. Once again, happy birthday. According to your bio on your official website and blog, you retired from engineering in 2013. That would have been when you were 53. How were you able to retire so early? I was blessed to have a good paying job. Plus, I made the right investments at the right time. However, I didn't retire because I wanted to. I was forced to retire due to my health. I've had a heart condition since 1993. That condition over the years has required several stents and open-heart surgery. Along with that, I suffered traumatic injuries to my lower left side in 1977. I was literally knocked off of a motorcycle and ran over by a tractor-trailer. By 2013, my body was screaming, Joe, we are done. I could have sworn that Kelly said one of your hobbies was motorcycle and horseback riding. Are you telling us you still ride? You heard correctly. I do still ride. Like horseback riding, I find it a huge stress relief. So you are either insane or you have a death wish. Which is it? Engineers deal with numbers and statistics. Those statistics state that 85% of motorcycle riders will have one life-threatening accident in their lifetime. I got mine out of the way at the age of 17, so that puts the numbers in my favor. As far as being insane, you have to remember, there is a fine line between insanity and being a genius. Hmm, I would say you're like a Weebles. You wobble between the two, but never fall to one side or the other. How's your health now? Great analogy. And my health is improving day by day. Thank you for asking. My heart doctor tells me the main goal now is to avoid stress, hence the motorcycle riding. The queen keeps a check on my vitals daily. Make sure I go to my doctor's appointments and tests, along with making damn sure I take my prescription medication. When I leave the house, she also makes sure I have my nitro with me. Ah, yes, the queen. I have read about her in your blogs. She's a BSRN, is that correct? Yep, and runs Sleepy Cougar Ranch with an iron fist, a smile, and a queen's wave. And what's the typical work day for you? I don't have a set work schedule like I once did. At the ranch, I do most of the cooking, shopping, and chauffeuring. Then there's the doctor's appointments for me and the others. Some days, I may work two hours, 
others 12. It all depends on what is going on. During those hours, I focus mainly on the different divisions of josephyclay.com. So this is not the schedule you were on when you released Demons of the Jungle and Witch's Dilemma. No, back then I didn't have as much on my plate, personal or business. Back then it was 8 to 12 hours a day, and at least 4 to 6 of those were devoted to my writing. Somehow or another, I need to make that happen again. I think this may be the reason I haven't released anything in four years. I see. Maybe Kay and I can help take some of the workload and you can get back to an author's schedule. However, will that schedule allow you the rest and relaxation you require to avoid the stress you spoke of? I think so. I mean, I had the same conditions then as I do now. Plus, to me, writing is relaxing and gives me an escape. I know writing a book requires total focus, a ton of energy, and time, not to mention dedication. Do you find it physically and mentally draining? I love to write. When I don't get to slip into my make-believe worlds for an extended period of time, I get a little depressed. That's not good for the psyche. The research needed for a book can be physically taxing due to long hours. The mental draining comes in when a writer doesn't have a smooth workflow. Writing is a process, and each writer goes about it different, but we all have steps we take. Miss a step or jump ahead before a step is completed is the cause of headaches, stress, and hair pulling. Uh, to avoid stress, it's recommended that a person have time for recharging. How much time in a 24-hour period will you have just for yourself if you go back to the old schedule? Right now, I don't have hardly any. Which is another reason I need to revert back to the old schedule of writing novels four to six hours a day. Those four to six hours of uninterrupted writing would be my time to escape from the real world and unwind. It's a known fact that people are more creative at a certain time of day. For instance, I write better in the late afternoon. When is your creativity at its peak? Between 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. It's when I do my best writing. You tell me daily if I want to be a writer, I need to be a reader. Do you have time to read? What was the first book you read that really caught your attention? Well, besides the typical Dick and Jane or Dr. Seuss. Yes, if you want to be an author, reading is required. Not how-to books, but fiction written by authors who are masters of the craft. Reading is another thing I do to relax and escape my hectic life. I will say that I really didn't start reading for pleasure until I retired. Before that, I read mostly technical stuff. Funny you brought up Dr. Seuss. My favorite book as a toddler was Green Eggs and Ham. The first book I can remember reading that drew me into the story was Call of the Wild by Jack London. I think it was in the sixth grade or so. I have a leather-bound copy of the book in my library, so it did make an impression. Time to introduce our mystery co-host for what I have labeled our quick draw round. JoJo, get your six-shooter loaded and ready. If you don't answer the questions within 30 seconds, the bullets will start flying your way. Hi, my name is Christy Warren, Executive Assistant at JosephyClay.com. Christy, how are you doing? Teaming up on me, I see. Nice plan. Splits my attention. Can't talk your way out of this showdown, cowboy. 
Superman or Batman and why? Batman. He has no superpowers. He succeeds by using the strongest weapon known to mankind, his brain. Okay, favorite author of all time? Edgar Allan Poe. Favorite modern day author? Stephen King. What are you reading right now? Perfect Alibi, written by Philip Margolin. And what is your favorite type of music? Blues. Your favorite meal, including side? T-bone steak, medium, with a salad, Thousand Island dressing, and a baked potato with butter and red pepper flakes. I'll wash it all down with bourbon. Not bad for a city slicker. I would say you can hold your own here in Texas. Answer me this cowpoke. Besides engineering, what other jobs have you held? And what was your favorite and least favorite? Lord, I've had so many. From Waffle House manager, fitness instructor, and car salesman. I would say my favorite was when I was a correctional officer for the state of Tennessee. After all, that's where I met the queen. The one I hated the most? Working at a car wash in my early 20s. Nothing like being soaking wet in the winter. Thank you, Christy, and jump in at any time if you have any questions you want to ask. JoJo, you mentioned josephyclay.com earlier. I want to spend as much time as I can talking about you and your writing. But quickly, tell us about josephyclay.com and its divisions. josephyclay.com has been around since 2013. I brought it out of the closet, so to speak, this year to simplify accounting and the corporate structure. At the beginning, josephyclay com only handled my official website and sales made by Joe's Bookstore, an e-commerce site within my official site, and JT's Place, a retail outlet based in a local flea market. How many divisions are there as of today? Let's see. The three I just mentioned, this podcast, Thunder Horse Publishing, and The Corral, an online magazine. That makes a total of six if I counted it right. Yep, six. Any new divisions in the works? I'm thinking about adding another podcast to go with my personal blog, Joe Coming Unglued. Thinking about calling it, Am I the Only One Not Insane? Mind Over Matter. My Mind is the Only One That Matters. The title may be too long, so it may wind up be titled, Joe Coming Unglued, the podcast. Ooh, I love the Joe Coming Unglued blog. You touch on a little bit of everything and hold nothing back. Do I get to be a part of it? Don't you have enough to do managing Thunder Horse Publishing, co-hosting this show, and writing your first book? Oh, come on, JoJo. I'll take it into consideration, if and when it comes about. Still on the drawing board right now. I'll take that as a yes. Give us some insight on Thunder Horse Publishing, along with The Corral and this podcast. Then we'll start talking about your books and the works in progress. All three can be summed up quickly. I like to say that the three divisions were created by an indie author for the indie author. Thunder Horse Publishing is an internet-based information and resource site for the indie author. The site also contains book reviews. The crowd and spotlighting the indie author were designed to showcase the indie author's talents. They help the indie author get noticed by publishing their writings in the magazine. The magazine also has several features that showcase their books and them. Although the podcast book reviews and interviews are more in-depth, the podcast is nothing more than the crowd in a verbal platform. Both divisions have their own unique way in showcasing the indie author. 
I do thank you for the opportunity to lead Thunder Horse Publishing and its offspring into the future. This brings us back to the point earlier. You haven't released a new book in almost four years. Why are you not focusing on writing instead of reaching out to help and promote other indie authors and freelancers who can help the indie author? I talk about this a lot. Thunder Horse Publishing is full of writing blogs. Those blogs have recorded my journey from engineering to writing. As you know, the indie author has an uphill battle to start with. They wear many hats and put in long hours trying to compete with the mainstream authors. My goal is to help the indie author through free education. I have blogged my journey for a reason, to keep others from making some of the same mistakes I did, and there were a lot of them. The sad part? If an indie author does everything perfect, the next battle begins. That battle is to get readers to buy the book. That's a problem, as there's one thing that gets in every indie's way. The stigma that surrounds us. We, as a collective group, must put out professional work to remove the cloud that screams. No indie book is worth buying or reading. This comes from books being published that have not been edited, full of formatting mistakes, and other issues. I think that now you and Kay are on board, along with the Queen and I, we're heading in the right direction. At least I hope we are. Well put. A goal and passion we share. I believe we are on the right track. JoJo, take a break. After this short message from Kelly, we will talk about your right. Parts of today's podcast are brought to you by Thunder Horse Publishing. Are you an independent author looking for writing tips, tutorials, and advice, or a free consultation? Thunder Horse Publishing is your one-stop shop. They offer resources and services for the independent author, writer, and blogger. When you succeed, they succeed. The Corral Online Magazine, giving the independent a voice and platform to be seen and heard. They are looking for poems, flash fiction pieces, and short stories, any genre, to fill the pages of the magazine. The magazine is also looking for indie authors to participate in the following features. Reviews by Christy. Books from the Barn, along with author spotlights and interviews. For more information, visit their website. The links to the sponsor's website can be found in the show notes below. Thank you, and now back to the podcast. Thank you, Kelly. Jojo, Demons of the Jungle was your first release back in 2013. I read you are working on the third rewrite. Why do you keep rewriting it, and what are these rewrites attributed to? To be honest, I rushed it. I wanted something in print in case I killed over. Don't get me wrong, the book was edited and was professionally done to a point. The reviews were brutal and justifiably so. Demons of the Jungle was the first impression the readers got of my writing. I felt that I had cheated them in a way. I found my writing style halfway through my second book, Witch's Dilemma. 
I stopped writing it and returned back to rewrite Demons of the Jungle in my style and made it better. Edition 1 and Edition 2 were edited by different editors and Witch's Dilemma, when it was completed, was edited yet by another editor. The editor of Witch's Dilemma and I, we meshed. We worked well together and understood what each other wanted. I felt comfortable with her and trusted her. I sent her the manuscript of the second edition of Demons of the Jungle, the outtakes, and the outline to review. I also included several comments that had been posted about the book. Her thoughts and ideas impressed me so much, we decided that a third rewrite was in order. I see, and that brings up some interesting questions about editors and reviews. I'll start with editors. Do you think that maybe Editor 1 and 2 didn't have the same suggestions Editor 3 did because they generally didn't like the story or genre? That is a great question and one I have never thought of. I can't speak for all editors, so I can't say for certain that not liking the genre or story will cause an editor to lose concentration and not do the job they was paid for. That could be true, so before you choose an editor, a good question to ask is what genre they like and what genre they refuse to edit. I don't think this was the case with the editors of Demons of the Jungle. Both were professional and did a great job. The only difference in the editors, Editor 3 and myself, had a working relationship that was built on trust. So, two books, three editors. Is that normal? That I can't answer as I have no idea what the norm is. What I can say is choosing an editor is a tedious process. How do you know when an editor is right for you? Everyone is different, but you will know when you and your editor mesh. For me, I like an editor who has an open mind, who understands that they are working on fiction and will edit almost anything. Some writers have to use different editors for books that lean toward erotica and others for intense violence. Some editors forget what they are reading as fiction and refuse to edit the manuscript if it goes against their personal beliefs. You have to work with an editor more than once to get to know the, their technique and for them to get to know your writing style and weaknesses. Communication, understanding, and trust. All three you got to have with an editor. Editor number three understands that my goal is to publish the best book possible. I understand her goal is to make the book better than I thought it could be. I don't take her markups or suggestions as a personal insult to my writing talent. When I disagree with something she suggests, she doesn't think I'm questioning her editing skills. There you go, indie authors. There is some great advice and information that will be useful when choosing an editor. Now on to reviews. Do you read all the reviews and feedback you get from readers and reply back to them? Simple answer is yes. So does my editor. Do I reply to any of them? I did it one time. However, reviews must be taken with a grain of salt, the good ones and the bad ones. Why? Reviews are nothing more than a reader's opinion. Truth be known, some bad reviews will help sell a book faster than a good one. Now, if a review or feedback has merit, constructive criticism, or one written by a critic with credentials, the editor now will take note of it. To be an author, you gotta have tough skin. It's part of the job. Don't take the reviews seriously or personally. The last part is important to remember, and I learned it the hard way. Fight the urge to defend your work. Do not reply to a bad review or a good one. Let the readers have their opinion without your interjection or explanation. Some authors will leave a thank you on our reviews. I suggest not even doing that. It takes a lot of time, and if you miss one, 
you've ticked a reader off is they feel left out. I've learned a lot already, and now I know why you preach to me to take my time. Don't rush your first book as it makes the first impression. Do you think the third edition of Demons of the Jungle will be your last? Guarantee it. What's going to be different about the third edition that you can guarantee this will be the last edition? More demons, more supernatural powers, and more characters. The editor and I have spent a lot of time talking about where we saw the book going. Since I trust her instincts and insights, once we finalized the outline, I knew this was the final product. Looking forward to reading it, Jojo. Now we know you began writing because it was therapeutic, and it began to steamroll from there. Do you hope one day to hook up with the big publishing house and pave your way to the top with the New York Times bestseller? No and yes. I don't care to be signed by a big publishing house. I like having total control of my works. Yes, I would like a New York bestseller, and when that happens, every step I took to get there will be documented so the indie author can follow. I hope it happens, and trust me, I'll follow the course you charted. Get ready. Here we go. What program do you use to write? I switched from using Word this year to Scrivener. I might not be pronouncing that correctly, so it's spelled S C R I V E N E R. Do you use an outline? And if so, is it handwritten or on the computer? Yes, in both. The rough outline is on paper. The finished product is within the writing program. What one book would you suggest that every indie author had on their desk? Stephen King on Writing, a memoir of the craft by Stephen King. Since you like Batman, do you read the comic books that feature him? I do, both the comic books and the graphic novels. Do you ever suffer from writer's block? No, and I don't believe in writer's block. If the writer is stuck, that means the outline is bad, or, and this is the case more than not, the writer is bored with the story. Are you a dog or cat person? Dog. Ruff. <laughs> you threw me with that. Great series of questions, Christy. Jojo, some of the same characters appear in Demons of the Jungle and Witch's Dilemma. I'm fond of Deborah and Patricia, and I love Carvin and Levi's interchanges. Do you have plans for these characters to appear in any other books? Yes, there is a whole series of books booked around Levi West and his detective agency, LACM. Like Star Wars, I issued the middle book first. So that is why Witch's Dilemma is considered book seven in the LACN series. I'm sure that Levi will walk on water in one of the upcoming releases. Did you make him godlike on purpose, or was it an oversight on your part? Hey, Maddocker made me tone him down some. He was worse than what you read. But yes, he was created that way. Being godlike is his flaw, along with delusions of grandeur and other mental disorders. Levi is a character that people love or hate, but either way, they remember him. Plus, at times, it is hard to tell if he's the protagonist or the antagonist. Never thought about it that way, and you're right. I hate the character, but will never forget him. Even though I may have not liked Levi, I did love the pacing of the book. Can you give me and the new authors some pacing tips? Thank you. My editor deserves a lot of credit for that. Pacing is as important as how you end a chapter. Both are done to keep the reader flipping pages. If the scene doesn't move the story forward, leave it out. A writer doesn't have to describe every second of every day. That gets boring. 
Use a line or scene break and move the story along. Next, be careful of backstory. The general rule is to leave it out. It's history. Backstory can be useful to build suspense, but once again, if it isn't moving the story toward the climax or ending, leave it out. Well, that's great information. Along with the pacing, I love the ending of Witch's Dilemma. I have yet to find anyone who has read the paranormal thriller who didn't find the ending a complete surprise. When you start a story, do you know how it's going to end? 95% of the time, I do. On occasions, the characters will take over and I'll change it up, but not often. Damn, can't get Levi West out of my head. Hey, Christy, you have read Witch's Dilemma. What did you think about Levi West? I actually really like him. I love his character and the way he is portrayed in the book, and I can actually picture him in my mind whenever I have read the book. Tell you what, let's let the listeners come to their own conclusions about Levi West. Take it away, Kelly. Wait, what? Thank you, Joseph. I didn't think you were ever going to get back to me. I've been about to bust holding this secret in. Joseph has set aside five autographed paperback copies of Witch's Dilemma for today's podcast listeners. One copy per household. But wait, there is more. The ebook of Witch's Dilemma, PDF only, is also free until May 31st. To get your free copy, simply visit his website, josephclayauthor.com. The link will also be in the show notes. Once again, click on the tab, Joe's Bookstore, and grab your gift by using the code PCWDG. That's P-C-W-D-G, all caps at checkout. Now, back to the spotlighting the indie author crew. Thank you, Kelly. That was a great idea, Jojo. Just wish you had told me about it. Nina, you said yourself, this is on-the-job training. I think you should have told me Christy was going to be asking questions. I can see your little peeve. Can you continue, or should we go straight to the credits? I've got more questions. We'll go to the credits when I'm done. You made your point. Now let's get back to answering questions. I know you have a large WIP work in progress file. Can you inform us the next five tales in the pipeline? Do you still think of your books as a work in progress, even when you aren't trading? I do, Christy. Nina, the next five to be released in no particular order, 669 Brimstone Circle, Road to Hades, Demons of the Jungle, 3rd Edition, Thunder Bear, and Tales of Joe. Um, your Tales of Joe, isn't that going to be like your short story collection? That's right, Christy. The Tales of Joe is a short story collection. You've read some of the stories within the book. What did you think? Several are dark and demented. How close are you to finishing... The Tales of Joe is about 50% complete. I figure maybe at the end of 2021, or maybe in early 2022, it should be released. Off the wall random question. Why do you not work on just one book and finish it? How can you go from one book and that storyline and switch over to another book and finish that storyline? That is a very good question, Christy. A lot of authors do just that. Finish one book before moving on to the next. However, I can't work that way. I find that great story ideas come at unopportune times. So if I have a great storyline that needs to be added to one of my WIP files, I'll stop doing what I'm doing, go over, 
and work on that story for a while until that thought process has worked itself out. Then I move back to the book that I was originally working on. Now when a deadline is approaching, I will try to focus all my attention on the book that is due out next. How are you able to keep up with them? I try to keep my working process folder around five books at a time. Each book has its own three ring binder that contains the outline, character names, story plot, plot ideas, time frame, and so on. Also, the writing program that I use, I store all my notes there so it's easy access. Each time I switch from one book to the next book, I document everything that was done in that story before going to the new story. Vice versa, when I leave the new story, I document everything I did, and then back at the old story, I just read my notes and I know about where I was at and what train of thought I had when I left. Any of those releases part of the LACN series, which Levi appears in? One for sure. Thunder Bear is the first book in the LACN series. Are the books in your WIP geared toward the male or female readers? What age groups do they target? I don't focus on a certain audience, whether it be gender, age, or race. I don't believe in genres either. I write about what happens in life and add a what-if factor. Each book I write contains all of life's elements, evoking all the senses. My characters, who I try to make as real as possible, they fall in love, get divorced, and have fights with the right chemistry. Or, if the need arises, they'll have sex. Some use drugs, and some suffer from mental disorders. Do any of your characters represent people you know personally? No. All my characters are fictional. Now, they may have some of the traits of people I know, but no character is based off anyone I personally know. Since we are talking about characters, I'm betting Levi shows up in 669 Brimstone Circle. What makes you think that? Process of elimination. You said one for sure and gave the title. I know he isn't going to be in the short story collection. He's at the end of Demons of the Jungle and Road to Hades is a precursor to Demons of the Jungle. That leaves 669 Brimstone Circle. Proud of the research you did on each book, doing an in-depth investigation of your guest works is a trait of a great interviewer. Thank you, but you are sidestepping the question. Tell us, will any of the characters from the previous books appear in the upcoming release, 669 Brimstone Circle? There may be. I knew it. That's why your author website states that the synopsis for that book is coming soon. Now tell us what the book is about. I don't know. I don't like to speculate on a synopsis when a lot is still up in the air. This has burned me before. Come on, tell us what to expect and who we will see in 669 Brimstone Circle. We could break the news right here and now. What do you say? All right, all right. The Queen's family, her grandparents and mother, encountered a haunting here in Tennessee many years ago. The story was passed down to the Queen. Her family is related to the family that owned the haunted house and land. Not going to tell you where, but I will say it's not the Bell Witch. We did extensive research on the home and family involved. Take the documented facts and twist them a little and add some writer's imagination, you got a hell of a paranormal tale. As for Levi and his clan goes, there is a version with them in it and a version without them. 
I'll go with whichever flows the best. There you go, listeners. My first scoop, 669 Brimstone Circle, will be a paranormal tale based on a true encounter. I love hauntings, so I'll be reading this tale for sure. The fact that it's based on eyewitness accounts who passed down the events make it even more intriguing. Since 669 Brimstone Circle is scheduled to be released around Halloween, do you plan on having a book release party and autograph the books for the readers, like you did with Witch's Dilemma? That I will, and of course, I expect you and Christy both to be there. Will there be a book trailer for the book? And yes, there will be a book trailer. It will be released approximately three months before the book. Do book trailers help in the sale of a book? Yes, they do. I'll never release another book without one. Speaking of videos, let's go bigger. Big screen, big. Would you consider having one of your books made into a motion picture or TV series? Never thought about it. I can tell you if someone offers to buy the rights to do so, I won't turn them down. 669 Brimstone Circle came from the family of the Queen. What other ways do you come up with the ideas for your books? Past life experiences, dreams, and nightmares. I do a lot of people watching and note taking when I'm out and about. I'll repeat, I write about life and add a what if factor. For instance, what if while in a coma your body and mind travels to heaven or even hell? When you awake, the doctors convince you it was only a nightmare. Later, you realize it was all true. Wow, that sounds fascinating. Does this scenario play out in one of the books in your work in progress file? Yep, 669 Brimstone Circle. That book keeps getting more interesting the more you tell us about it. Wish we had more time to talk about it. Here is the last question. Tell us who is your favorite character from one of your books and why. Please don't say Levi. Relax, it's not Levi. It's actually Laurie, a secondary character in Witch's Dilemma. She gets caught in the middle of it all, but fights through it while trying to stay alive. Jojo, that wraps up the interview. We all learned a lot about you and your writing. While in the process, we picked up some great writing tips. Thank you for the chance to interview you. Thank you for participating in our quick draw round. Nina, thank you for allowing me to help out. I had fun. Christy, you did a great job. Nina, my hat's off to you. That was a great interview. It was a little different. And it wasn't in your standard format. That's what made it informative while being entertaining. And that's what we do. It was a joy to be a part of. And well, thank you, Jojo. To both of you, I bid you a farewell. The sun is high in the sky and the heart is outside. Catch both of you later. Don't forget to visit Joseph's website and grab your free copy of Witch's Dilemma. Till next time, this is Christy Warren saying so long for now. Great reminder, Christy. And thank you for helping. I couldn't have done it without you. While over on Joseph's website picking up the free copy of Witch's Dilemma, sign up for his newsletter. That way, you will be the first to know when 669 Brimstone Circle is released. I'm chomping at the bit to read this book. Our next podcast will air on June 1st. I hope you will join us for that show. 
I sincerely appreciate everyone for listening to Spotlighting the Indie Author Podcast. Until next time, hugs mm -mm -mm, and kisses. Nina. Kelly. Credits, please. The show notes contain the following links to the book reviewed, an author's or guest website or social media page, the credits for the music and sound effects, voiceover talent Kelly Winkler's link, the link to spotlighting the indie author's podcast webpage and blog. The blog will contain links to the companies mentioned in the podcast and reference blogs. The blog will also contain other pertinent information discussed in today's show. Spotlighting the Indie Author can be found on most major podcast platforms. Visit our website for the links or search your favorite podcast app for us. Please, if you enjoyed the show, subscribe and use the comment section to let us know your thoughts. Thank you for listening, and please join us for the next podcast. Till then, this is Kelly and the crew of Spotlighting the Indie Author, bidding you farewell till next time. Spotlighting the Indie Author is a josepheclay.com podcast.